You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to session 12. This is a great episode where we talk a lot about what makes us feel good in business. How are we using our time and energy? What makes sense to put time and energy into? What does it look like to not have to control everything, clear boundaries, like all of that juicy stuff that makes business either feel really good or really hard is kind of what we're diving into today. So I'm excited for you to listen because I think it will be a great reflection for everyone to kind of be like, oh, am I using my time in a way that serves me? Am I setting boundaries in a way that serves me? Am I doing things that make me feel good? Because ultimately having things in your business that make you feel really good is what allows you to stay in it. And when you stay in it is when the results and momentum build. So think about that as you listen to this session. Hopefully this is a really, really awesome opportunity to have a bit of a mirror and to have some questions to ask yourself in terms of what you can do to make sure you feel really good in your business too. All right, how you feeling? Good. I've just just got back from a run. Look at you. Just saying. Excuse me. Very, very good. I had such a nice weekend. Just following on from the really nice week I had last week and last time I spoke to you. And then me and my partner went to a little kind of Michelin star restaurant thing, mm-hmm. hotel thing at the weekend. And it was just really perfect in the, when we arrived, the weather, the the meal, the place we were staying, all of the stuff was just worked out really well. And then have come back feeling like, oh, you know, when you have a really full weekend, but it's really good and you do all the things that you want. And then Monday feels like, okay, it's fine to be working now because I've had a really good weekend. Oh, you are just living your best life lately. I love it. (laughs) It was really, really good. And then a few things this week have just been very affirming. So of the conversation that we had last time, I met with a client who I I think I told you, I just had a really, really good session with the week before last. And then then we had another session this week. And one thing that happened in the interim was that I had a conversation with my partner, in fact, when we were away about the fact that I'm making it really difficult for people to work with me still. So mm-hmm. even that kind of uh, just reminding myself that some people just really want to continue working with me. It doesn't have to be like I don't have to literally hide, <laughs> make it yes. really de- obscure myself so that they're not, you know, anti-selling doesn't need mean I need to literally obscure myself from view. So that was just great. And it feels like. I'm having such joyful times in client sessions at the moment, which is partly space and partly help and partly four years in and just feeling like, yeah, I really know. I really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I really know what I'm doing. So that's been, that's been great. And then other things are just slotting into place. So sleep and exercise and I haven't really been doing lots of journaling, but I did return to some 
kind of practices that I've had in the past that have been really helpful to me, kind of meditations and things that I've used in the past. As I found myself awake at three in the morning the other day and just thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm going to check my emails. And then I checked my emails at three Uh-oh. in the morning. Okay. And then kind of got into this, this you know, slight, oh my goodness, you know, kind of stuff that happens at three in the morning, but was really quickly able to switch back into just, I don't do this now. I do not do this. This isn't how I operate. And then um, found these meditations and then was just completely fine. And, And there's a sort of confidence that I can switch that off, which is growing. So yeah, those were my wins this week. I love that. I think it's so interesting to just like follow the follow the trajectory right it's like when we started nothing was feeling good client sessions like life anything right and it was because you weren't you weren't physically resourced like literally with iron right and I and just like how much that impacts you and now you're like doing all of that stuff on top of the iron sleep rest running time outdoors meditation like all of that and it's like it just like immediately turns it around in your business where like you're loving the sessions again, you're feeling really great, you're ready to start work on Monday. And so I think it's really cool to see like the snowball effect of those kind of things and how sometimes we think it's the business and it is in some ways, but how it's like so much bigger than that, right? Absolutely. I think something really important to name here is that how good we feel in our business is often so much bigger than our business, right? Like Angie getting sleep, rest, meditating, you know, building confidence that she can create the space, et cetera. Like all of that is drastically impacting how she feels in her business. So sometimes I feel like it can be easy to be like, man, I have so much stuff to fix in the business to feel better. And that can be true. But what is typically more true than that is if I already come in feeling really good, it's easier to make those small tweaks in the business. And so this is just a good reflection and a reminder that how you're feeling in the business is probably in large part impacted by what is happening outside of the business. And so seeing those two as inextricably linked and being able to work from both angles is really, really important. I also think that I came into this coaching a few months ago really down on my uh, ability to do lots of work and to get lots of things done and I'm still that I'm still quite nervous about how much I can put on my plate in in some ways but I'm also just really grateful that I am able to do lots of things as well because it's there's something really exciting about it and so I've been I think finding a balance between knowing that I have energy and holding some in reserve. So last night, did I have my son? No, I didn't. I did have my son last night, but he, he went to bed really early. And I had had one of those days where I was just kind of moving through the to-do list, not blasting through it, but just moving steadily through it. And I did dinner and then, and then he went to bed and I thought, great, I've got two hours now before I go to bed and I can start doing some stuff for the newsletter that you know has been really kind of a to-do that I just haven't got my head around. And then I thought, no, now you're going to go yes. to bed <laughs> and you're going to stop yeah. and you have enough time in the rest of the week to do that and come to it tomorrow morning when you're feeling like you've slept. So 
I still have to catch myself because I can feel that there is energy in reserve that I would normally want to use all of it up in case it's not there again in the future, <laughs> which yeah. is a bit like, you know, I get all of the money now in case the clients run out or all of those other ideas of scarcity. Right. And so catching myself and just trusting that there will still be time tomorrow and that something else won't come in and knock the newsletter stuff out of the way and that, you know, two hours now of sleep or at least getting ready for bed is going to pay dividends tomorrow is new to me, but felt like a nice flex as the, I don't even think kids say, <laughs> as the old people say. As the old people trying to be kids say, yeah. I think. Is as what I that say. Goes, right? That's what I say too. But yeah, I mean, totally. I think it's almost like you're putting a stop to this idea that like there's not enough time. You're like there actually is and you're like building the belief behind that, right? And I think like that's so hard when we're in a place in our business where we just fundamentally believe there's not enough time and like everything operates from that place. So when we get a little free period, it's like, oh, it has to go to that because there's not enough. It's like time scarcity abounds sort of. And I think it's like really cool to be like, no, there is actually time here. And like the more you state that and own that, the more you're doing things that suggest that you're going on the weekend trip, you're taking the downtime, you're getting some rest, you're going for a run. Like I remember you being at a place where you didn't even feel like you could take a walk during the day, you know? I know. And not from, not from an energy perspective, from a time no perspective. Time. I think it's so important how Angie is naming that time and energy scarcity here that we can kind of all fall into of like trying to like use it all up, use all this energy or time up or get it all done while we can, right? And the truth is that almost always leads to more issues. I think the more we get in that mentality of trying to like get it all done while we can or like use it up while we have the energy or time, it puts us in this situation where it actually doesn't feel like we're ever getting it done. It feels like we're always like one step away from shit hitting the fan kind of thing, right? Or one step away from not actually being able to get it all done. And when we can kind of slow into that of knowing like there's always more time, there's always more energy. And if not, I will find a way to, you know, take care of myself and cultivate it. That's really where trust can build in our business, both with ourselves and with like our ability to get things done, which is really, really important. I think the constant intensity of trying to zero out or get it all done is like such a, a cultural thing. But I think also recognizing that as entrepreneurs, it's especially prevalent because there's just always more to do. Like there's not ever a time in business where it's, there's not something else you could be doing. And so really getting to that place of it's okay, it can wait, it's okay, I will get what I can today and what I can tomorrow and that is enough, I think is so beautiful and I really appreciate Angie bringing us into that reflection. So there's a, I'm kind of, I guess the theme is continuing to find balance. Yeah. There's some frustrations that have come up this week as well around my brain. <laughs> and I'm really like, I kind of don't ever want to overstate this because I always think I don't really have any, I don't really have any difficulties. However, there are some things that I find really difficult to, or I find not even difficult. It just seems to take me an inordinate amount of time to organize. And I can't work out whether there is the sort of toxic capitalist, you know, you must 
you must fill every minute of every day, schedule mm. everything, like have all of your social media posts ready to go kind of thing that still drives me that I think, oh, I'm falling behind because I never can achieve that. Or whether there's something real about my brain that just cannot get it to grips with it. And so, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not really doing anything about it, but I do, I can witness that the hours that I spend wasting, if you like, wasting time, are hours spent trying to find a better way of systematizing things that I I can't, I'm going to explain what I'm, <laughs> I'm going around in circles here, but I'm trying to find a way of like scheduling things that are on my mind that I'm not yet ready to post on social media. And I will literally spend three hours looking at different pieces of software that might be the best solution. And each one just, I go, I look at it and go, that doesn't help my brain because, you know, it doesn't do the thing that I want. And and maybe it just needs to be a spreadsheet. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I spend so long trying to kind of solve for something that I need, like a crutch that I really feel I need in order to become not just better organized, but to not have things that are kind of on the in the back of my mind that I haven't quite done yet. And it came up because I was thinking about the Ethical Coat website, which I sent you, you looked at, you said, yeah, this looks good and that's, you know, we're ready to go. And I'd been thinking, oh, one of my to-dos after the website was to start scheduling social media posts for it. And I have had loads of ideas for them, but I haven't got anywhere to kind of put them. And I think I must have every single kind of scheduling, you know, I've got later, I've got buffer, I've got all of the things. It's not like I don't know that, you know, I know they all exist. I just can't seem to get something that works for my brain. So of the frustrations that come up, I guess there's still something around, am I, I have energy, I have space, there is an abundance of time. I don't have to fill all of the time, but am I using the time that I have in Mm. the best way possible? Because Mm -hmm. I do not want to spend three hours looking at pieces of software (laughs) <laughs> no. Mm-mm. And sure I, don't. I don't know how to solve it. But it kind of came up when I was on my I was on a walk earlier and I thought, God, I hope people don't listen to this podcast and think I know what I'm actually doing. Because there's so much time that I spend <laughs> wasting on just rubbish oh. and nonsense that I just feel like, <laughs> like don't, don't anybody there. get confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what comes up for me, I'll just say like off the top of my head, and then you obviously give me more context here, but it almost feels like you're taking a really small thing and trying to make it big when it's not big. So for example, like the, I have post ideas, like feels like you could just have a Google doc that you throw those in I thought you would say versus something like, like that. you need a software for that. And I think that sometimes it is that pressure, like, especially as you have gotten more systematized and gotten a team and all of that then sometimes the pressure goes the opposite way. Now, every single thing has to be a system and every single thing. And like, I think that that's not true either. I think that we only need systems if something's more complicated than just throwing it into Google Doc. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm articulating that quite right, but like, it's not that you don't want to process for everything, but sometimes the process is I throw it in a Google Doc. Do you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. Yes, thank you. How very dare you say that I might be overcomplicating things. <laughs> also, I mean, since, since I'm saying the how dare you things, I have a second one. <laughs> Which is like, 
You have many, many zones of geniuses, my love, and systematizing is not one of them. So, like, why, why, why is that where your energy is going? (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And yet I'm working with somebody who's really good at that kind of stuff. You see, that's just not where my brain goes. My brain goes, well, I can't possibly fill her time with like um, my assistant's time with working that out. That would be ridiculous. So I'll spend three and a half hours doing it and say, what a good idea. This is why you're a business coach, isn't it? (laughs) This is why they pay me the big bucks. No, I'm totally kidding. But it is helpful, right, to like be like there. Are, like, and this is like really true. Like, there are so many things that you're great at, and spending the time at the great things in your business is like what fills you back up. I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about last week. Like, when you're in that zone of genius with clients and stuff, like you're crushing it. When you're like, what software should I use? Like, you just know you're not operating in like your most efficient or best capacity. And so I think it's just like fair to let that go. Oh my God. Which means you kind of come to a fork. uh, Right? Yeah. And the fork is either this actually does need a system. So my support needs, my OBMBA needs to figure that out. Or like this actually doesn't even need a system. I could just put it here and and call it a day. But like the answer will never, ever be. (laughs) Angie figures out the system. <laughs> it's, that's always, it's, you're always going in the wrong direction. I think you might be right. <laughs> Angie signs up for 19 different types of software on a free trial, forgets to cancel all of them, and two months later is being charged £30,000. Yeah, about right. Okay. Yep. There's a few things like that. Okay, so two things that this brings up that I see happen with people a lot that I want to speak to is that one, we are either wasting a lot of time systematizing things that don't need systems, or two, we are wasting a lot of time working outside of our zone of genius. And so the first one is wasting time systematizing things that don't need systems. So I really believe in a system and a process. Like, don't get me wrong, I believe in that a lot. But I think that sometimes we and get these things in our heads of like, good business owners do X, good business owners look like X. And a lot of that means have complicated systems or have fancy systems. And so we're building the system, not because we like need the system, but we're building the system because we think we're supposed to have it, or we think that's what a good, smart, you know, worthy insert, whatever word business owner does. And so I think that's really important to check in. Like, am I building this system because I need something to save me X amount of time here and I need this to be easier? Or am I building this system because I think, well, I'm supposed to have a system for this. Those are very, very different reasons to approach something. And I think that's always a really important check-in. So often with my clients, when they're getting really frustrated over systematizing something and I ask like, well, what's the system for? Like, what's it supposed to do for you? Why are we doing that? They're like, uh, aren't I just supposed to have that? And I'm like, no, you're not supposed to have anything that doesn't help you, right? So it's really important to stop and ask that question. And then the second part is not staying in our zone of genius. So if you are someone who loves this part of your business, that's great, like do that. If you're someone who I was teasing Angie, right? Who is like, that? that's just not how your brain works. That's not how you think about things. That's not really how you thrive and function then working really, really hard on that is not necessarily going to help you. It's gonna 
help you much, much, much more if you work on the thing that you're really good at and then you get support to systematize more things. So I think both of those are easy kind of traps to fall into in terms of what it looks like to build out processes in our business and just making sure that if you're building a system, there is a very specific reason that serves you and that if you are not someone who really thrives on that, you know that there's support you can get to help you do that. So what comes up for you there? Like, is it that you do just need to have it be really simple or is it like, no, I actually would like a process. I just like, don't want to be the one to figure it out. I mean, basically I want someone else to figure it out, but I think it needs to be really simple as well because I I mean, I can barely, (laughs) I can barely really cope with base camp. I mean, that's about the limit of my kind of enthusiasm for things that have any level of complexity. And actually the things that my OBM has been designing for the summit are really great because they're so straightforward. So something that's just actually straightforward and and actually could just ask her to help me with this task rather than engaging in it any further. (laughs) Yeah. But why can't I spot those tasks in my day? Because this is really annoying of me. That should be something that I should just be going immediately that I won't be able to work that out. I'm going to hand that over and I'm still not doing it. And I don't know why. So something that comes up for me is like, you're still really tolerant of doing shit you hate doing. (laughs) And that you almost have to lose that tolerance in your business over time. Like what I really try to do for myself, for example, is like if I really start to feel a lot of friction in a task I'm doing, I almost have to be like, something's probably not right here. Because like, you know, whether it's like in my brain or my body or whatever, but it's like, I really shouldn't be doing a lot of, friction creating um, (laughs) tasks right now. And so I think that might be worth noting is like, where does it start to get intense or crunchy? And like, can that be a sign to like, look at something? I think that when we go back to like old identity of like hard worker gets things done, we have endless tolerance for doing the things that create friction. And so I think that that's probably relevant here, but I'm curious, like, did you feel friction in the moment or like what comes up for you? A hundred percent. I recorded, I batched five podcast episodes today when I got up. I was like on, I was just having a really, really good day. Yeah. I got that task done with my newsletter and that felt totally fine. And and it's all creative stuff. So that's all good. And then this just sucked the life out of me. And I was really annoyed because it felt like, I've literally hit a brick wall in the day and now I've ruined the positive flow that I've had for the whole day. And then I felt like, oh, and then I had a Danish lesson in the afternoon and it felt like, oh, this space in the day is just gone now and this was the time to do something. So it was completely filled with friction, 100%. Yeah. I think that's really helpful to see. Like it's the difference between blow through five podcast episodes, hit brick wall, right? And like, It doesn't mean that you'd never go, okay, like this is a brick wall and there's like a really, really, really solid reason for me to push through it. But that's so infrequent in your business at this point, or it should be so infrequent in your business at this point, right? But I think you want to catch those moments more where I think you're you're just used to like, okay, brick wall, plow through it. And we want to be like, wait, why? But why, right? All right, guys. So a little bit of a personal note here that I think is helpful is one of the things that I feel like I've really kind of had naturally, but also I think cultivated a bit in business that has helped me a lot 
is that I have quite a low tolerance for doing shit I hate, <laughs> right? Which sounds kind of bad and sounds like it's almost the opposite, right? Of entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, we need to be like willing to push ourselves and do all these things. And in some regard, of course, we need to be willing to push our comfort zones. But in another capacity, doing something I hate over and over again in my business is the last thing that's going to keep me in business long-term or really get me results, right? And so having a low tolerance for that and having that radar go off sooner has helped me tremendously in business, figure out where I should be putting my time, where I should be delegating, where I should be saying no to things, right? And I think when we have come from, you know, like a, a very intense work environment, whether that's corporate or, you know, Angie was in schools, whatever that is, we've almost gotten so tolerant for doing shit that we hate that we don't even notice when we're doing it. We're like, oh, I've like committed to this task and have been doing it, you know, day in and day out, but like actually it makes my skin crawl every time I do it. And I didn't even notice because I'm like used to having to deal with that. And when you can kind of get less used to that in your business, it's actually really, really helpful for you because the more you're not doing shit you hate, the longer you're going to be able to stay in business, sustain things, build momentum, the more you're going to want to be in your business. I mean, there are like a million reasons here that when you're doing something you don't like, you are harming your business. And again, it doesn't mean you would never do that, but if it's something that is the rule and not the exception, that's more of a problem. So think about this in your own business. Like where are you tolerating something that you absolutely hate doing and what could shift in your business and your team and your delegation to make that not be a thing? Anytime I notice something like that in my business and I make a shift, it is so amazing what comes from it. So notice that red flag, see what you can shift and I promise you will get better results because of it. And, and actually just looking back over the week, there haven't been very many of those. And it's not because I've been particularly avoiding things, but I have just really been able yeah. to kind of do the tasks that I have needed and wanted to do with with ease. And it's been quite enjoyable. So so that's a really yeah. good catch for me because I hadn't even thought it, <laughs> hadn't even considered that I could hand it well, to Well, that tells else. you a lot too that like, you are on the right trajectory that that's so few and far between, but it also means that when it comes up, there probably is something off or amiss. Do you know what I mean? Because like by and large, that's not how you're used to, or that's not how you're operating now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's good. Okay. It's so wild, right? How uncomfortable it is to like do the things that we're good at and feel good and how much, how easy it is to kind of like pull away from that. Yeah. And I think I can't even work out why. I think there's also a bit of a, a hangover idea that's misplaced, which is about knowing everything. So being understanding everything that happens in the business before I can hand it to somebody to then do. Mm. And I do understand how to do social media posts. So I don't need to understand where to bloody well draft them. I can understand that like I do understand all of the things, but I've mistaken quite a few. And, you know, it's it's happened with other things as well, where with the virtual summit, I've had to say, I don't really know. And then my OBM said, do you want to know? Do you want to get involved in this level of detail? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I also don't want to get involved. Right. I don't even want totally. to see the emails. So it is a hangover, though, from being the person that's like knows everything, is in charge of everything, knows every bit of software. There was some kind of friction for me there in handing over responsibility for 
like my, my OBM said, you know, I think you should get this piece of software. And I was like, I could feel myself being, well, I'll be the judge of what software I get. <laughs> and I felt a little bit. Which is so funny that. now. Right? Yeah. yeah. So there's some weird stuff there that is just kind yep. of, yeah, old, old stuff. It's safety stuff, right? Like, it's like, I'm safe if I can control everything and know everything. And if I could get that work done myself. And I think it's like really interesting how our programming is to that a lot of times where it's like, it's not safe for someone else to recommend this software. I would have to know this software or whatever. And I think it's just the recalibration of like, it's only safe if somebody else knows this because I'm shit at this. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm never going to use it. And I'm going to be the one forgetting to cancel it when it doesn't work. Whereas you, (laughs) responsible human being over there. Yes. Will actually do it well. So I think it's really helpful here to normalize that kind of hangover we can get from like the I must control it all place, right? When we're deriving our safety from controlling it all, and then we start to delegate more, we start to let go more, we start to trust other people more, there is going to be some intensity still lingering from that. That is not something that is going to like, you know, disappear overnight because you have uh, a great OBM or something, right? It's something that you're going to have to probably sit with and process and like get out of your system, so to speak, right? Just like a hangover. So I think it's just normalizing to hear someone else say that because I think, you know, we, we can so quickly be like, well, this should have fixed my problem. Why do I still feel like this? And it's like, well, yeah, because... I was getting all of my safety from controlling it all. And now I'm not. And there's this whole recalibration in my system that has to happen to be okay with that. So just wanted to normalize that. If you're in a season similar to Angie, if you're working through less controlling everything and you're still feeling some of the weird feelings about that, that's normal. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. That doesn't mean stop. That doesn't mean anything other than you're recalibrating, right? You're figuring out where your safety lies. That's not in full control. And that's actually really valuable work to do in your business. And it's just a path to keep walking down. So there are a few things that, that, that brings up a few things actually that I could probably refine and just do and maybe hand over with a bit more clarity and certainty because, you know, what's working really well, I'm noticing is where I can fill in the, I'm, I'm kind of filling in the gaps a little bit with, so in social media, that um, my assistant who's working on the social media stuff has been working directly with the photographer and so that means I don't even have to have conversations there either. And then there's, they've done all of the scheduling. And and what's quite nice means it means that I can kind of pop into my social media with with my my own stuff, my live, my, you know, my interaction with people. But the scheduling itself is something I don't have to do. And I like that. I like that feeling of just being able to do the very, very, very tiny bit that I'm that I'm really good at. So I think it's about being much clearer about all of the stuff that leads up to the final bit that I like doing that needs to be done by other people. And I don't think I'm yet clear enough on some of that. I think what you just said is so important. This is the way I personally think about and operate and obviously like take what resonates here and, and then we'll we'll adjust it. But my thought process is always how can my team take something to 80 to 90% and how can I fill in 10 to 20% of the, you know, like finishing touches, so to speak. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're saying here is like, okay, like our social media is set, but then I can come in with like the 10% on top of that or like our 
summit is set, but like the 10% I'll take over the finish line is recording all the interviews or whatever. Right. And I think that that's where you're going to get stuck is when you try to be the initiator versus the completer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me initiate this whole system for content. No, 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 no. Let my team initiate the system for content. And then I will come in and fill in towards the finish. Right. Yeah, that feels good. So that can be a good gauge for you. Like anytime I realize I'm like starting something, I'm like, red flag, why am I starting this? Right. And again, it doesn't mean there's never an outlier where there's a reason for that. But by and large, like it's always a red flag when I'm like, let me start writing this whole thing out. And it's like, no, 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 no. So I think that could be a good thing for you is like if you're starting a system build, starting a process, et cetera, et cetera, that's almost always a flag to be like, wait, what am I doing? So something that we do in my business is that my team will start projects and take it to whatever they can, right? 70, 80, 90%. And that has been such a game changer for me. When I am the start of everything, I am always the bottleneck, right? When I am the end of everything, I am almost always able to like wrap it up and like get us moving. So it also feels better for me as the business owner because I'm more inclined to want to see that final product versus to want to get that starting place going. So I just wanted to share that because I think every time I have shared that with a client, a a peer, a friend on content, whatever, People are always like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the opposite. I'm trying to start everything and this is why things feel so hard in my business. I'm trying to start everything and this is why I feel so frustrated. So if you are trying to start everything and you have a team that can help you with that, I really, really suggest shifting that. Even if you are someone who tends to be a quick start, I know it can be really easy to fall into that but it still probably is not serving you the most and you're still probably being the bottleneck because even if you're a quick start, you have other tasks that you're completing in your business and you have other focuses. And so if you can get something that is mostly complete and put your finishing touches on it, would be wild how much more you could get done. So if you have the team and resources to do that, I highly, highly recommend testing that theory for yourself and your business. What does it look like for someone else to start and for you to be the one to take it over the finish line? So what do you do when you, instead of starting, how do you like, do you just say, oh, I have an idea and then somebody else starts or? Yeah, I try to like communicate the idea and the the end result that I want basically. So like the content thing, like let's use that as an example here. Hey team, what I am like really, really, really wanting is a place where I can throw all my ideas that will be easy to come back to, that lines them up in like a sequential order and that I know I can always like quickly brain dump in and come back to. Can you set up a software or a process that you think would be best for that and then I'll start using it and give feedback and we'll tweak till we get it where we want it to be. So like communicate vision, desires, et cetera, full permission for them to get to that end result in whatever way makes sense for them. Like I don't get in the like, and the way I need you to get there is by looking up these three softwares and then da da da, like do whatever you want to get there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I can come back in at the end and be like, oh, I really like this about it. Can we tweak this or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, good. That's really helpful. I love this. And what I 
I find personally too, as like my team prefers that a lot too, because if I'm coming to them being like, here's the thing I want you to do. And here are the five steps you have to do. And it has to look this way. Like maybe that doesn't fit how they work best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and maybe I wasn't the best person to figure that out anyway. So now they're doing all these things just because I like, yeah, I'm shitty at making processes instead of like, because it actually like works for them and makes sense. And so it creates a happier team and more efficient team too. Mm, Okay. That's going to be really helpful. I think that there are, and maybe it's just a case of taking note of when those things are happening rather than trying to like do all of that in advance. But I think that's something that I can really quickly hand off actually. I mean, I think that there'll probably be some similar things when it comes to the associates properly starting. And I guess I can tease some of that out when that happens, but I'm, I'm imagining that sort of movement from I've always been in control of this to them having autonomy, which is ultimately what I want, that there may be some similar things and some processes that they yeah. might have to be responsible for that I, I think I'm in control of right now, but that, that, that might change. Yeah. What, what I think is really helpful here is not being so controlling about like how we get to the end result as long as we get there is kind of the point, right? So even of your associates, everyone might do something a little bit differently, but if we're all getting to that same end outcome, that's kind of okay. And I think there's also like that simultaneous recognition of like, because you know, you're not like the process queen or whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like, they might come up with like a much better way than you could ever come up with. And it's like giving space for that, right? Yeah. Well, they might. I don't know about that. <laughs> I was being nice. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this is, is really helpful. It's like you're just slowly letting go yeah. of the pieces that don't have to be yours. And yeah. it's just weird and it's hard and it's crunchy and it's all those things as we do that and then it gets easy. Yeah. And it's just so nice. The work that I'm handing over is just being done so so brilliantly and so well. So that's great. I'm really, really excited about the summit. We went out to speakers this week and had the first few yeses come back, which is great. And that process just looks really nice and clean. And the Melanated Masterminds kind of, I just uh, had the newsletters and and like making sure I was sending to the people on the wait list. And and I've scheduled all of that now from now to the end of the month. So I'm feeling like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. And we're kind of to date with that. The Ethical Co. website, you're going to give me some feedback on, but I've still got some social stuff that I want to do around that. And I just sent out some things today to a few coaches, inviting them to come on the podcast because I'd like to have some conversations with coaches and service providers around the period of launching the Ethical Co. website as well. And my podcast is a sort of mix of solo episodes and, and conversations, but Previously, they've really only been people in education, social work, that kind of thing. So I felt it would be a good opportunity to have some coaches come on the podcast and talk about the same sorts of things that we talk about anyway. So exciting. I love that. I feel like 
you know, what's so helpful to see here is like you have a lot of moving parts going on right now and they're obviously going well, but it is also just good reinforcing to be like, that's why I can't fuck around with looking <laughs> up systems for three hours because there's a lot of other like really important stuff on your plate that is much, much better use of that time. So I think that's just good to see too. It's not like you don't have other places you can dedicate that energy like you very much do. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can still be a bit difficult to step out of being a small business creator who does everything and acknowledging that I have a lot of moving bigger projects. And even to the point of really finding it quite challenging to prioritize. So because I have the ability and the energy often to do lots of big things at the same time, this comes from having opened a school and being, you know, opened a startup school. I really do think it does. When I look back on like, think, why? How is it possible? It's because we opened a building, we ran a building project, we introduced, you know, like we did all of these massive jobs all at once. But it means that it can be very difficult to prioritize because we didn't actually, we were not able to prioritize between any of those things because they all had to happen. And I sometimes find myself thinking, I genuinely don't know now what I'm supposed, Mm. what's the most important thing. That sounds really basic, but it can mean that and you know when you're starting a business it's like well I need the piece of software can be as important as yes whatever the thing is because totally the priorities are have dependencies and so you kind of get into the frame of mind if everything is a priority and I'll just find the time yeah is what you yeah yeah so I think now I'm at this stage of really having to but not just hand off certain things, not just notice where there's friction, but also recognize the priorities that I have. <laughs> and maybe it means that things that are not my priority actually become things that I hand over to other people as well. If that does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, it doesn't mean it's not still something you want to get done. It's just not your priority. It's someone else's priority. Yeah. Or it's a priority in the business rather than it's my personal priority. And everything at the moment is still in my brain. If it's a priority in the business, then it's something that's on my to-do list. Yeah, totally. I think that's so helpful. I really feel like this will also become more clear. What what I think is a little hard right now is a lot of these projects are in the like startup phase again too. Like the summit is kind of like, it's not there yet. It's like starting up the ethical coast. Same, like, you know, like a lot of these are like at that. We're just taking off kind of space. So it kind of makes sense that it's a little harder to prioritize too much like you were saying with the school. Would it be helpful if I shared some of those thoughts? Yeah, Do you want please. to talk through them now on the ethical co thing? Okay. Yeah, I, I love the look and feel. I just wasn't sure if you wanted me to take it further, but then obviously oh, great. looked at it more. So a few things come up for me there. One is I wonder, and I don't know how deep you want to get into this, so you kind of tell me here, but I wonder if you want to give some examples for each of these because I wonder if like, okay, so let me just give an example. Okay, for care as one, right? So like your well-being is our top priority, da-da-da-da. We give support tailored to your specific needs. I, I wonder if that could make someone nervous to sign this pledge of like, okay, what does top priority mean? Like, does it mean over my own well-being? Does it mean when it says support tailored to specific needs, does it mean I have to always offer a one-on-one element if I sign this? Does it mean something different? So I wonder if there's ways to like, not that you have to tell them everything, but to be like, this might look like 
That's a really good point. Yeah. Where they understand that there's like, of course, nuance here. Because I think I could understand why someone would be like, well, I don't do one-on-one, so I can't sign the pledge because I don't want someone coming back to me saying da-da-da. And it's like, but they want to sign the pledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So perhaps something that kind of unpacks it for different types of, also different types of service provision and makes it a little less frightening to... Yeah, I mean, it's such a good point because I also want people to be able to sign up to the pledge if they're prepared to sort of take the journey, whatever that journey looks like for them. So it's not my version of this is what care is. It's also the opportunity to articulate what care looks like in your business. Yes. And that is also a a thought that I had. And I think you just actually said it a hundred times better than I was ever going to. So thanks for for that opening. But I was wondering, like, could we even create like a little document for them with these things? And then they could on their website fill in what these things meant in their business or something. Like I could see people putting this on their own site and being like, here's how equity shows up in my business. Here's how care shows up. Here's how wisdom shows up. And we give them like a little template or something because that might also create some safety where they get to sort of put their spin on it. So the pledge is here. You give some examples and then we're like, here's your little PDF or whatever. Go tell your people what this looks like for you. Yeah. And I think I kind of wanted that to be the case, but I might not have made that very clear. So originally I was thinking the form that they would fill in. I don't think I've done it. Maybe I haven't done it clearly enough. So that the pledge is something that's kind of generic. Yeah. So in a sense, you're sort of getting the badge because you're saying, yes, we agree to the pledge. But then what you have on your website is your articulation of those values, your your own articulation of those values. So you get the badge, if you like, from me, because you're kind of going, yeah, I love those values. I'm totally up for that. I understand. what, And I also understand that even though it says that on the Ethical Co website, it might look different in my business. And on my website, I explain how it looks different or how it shows up in my business. Perfection. Okay, so I need to just make that really, really clear that you're not saying the words that are in the pledge have to be on. I'm not saying the words that are in the pledge have to be on your website. I'm saying that your words are on your website. Although if you also are nervous about forming the words, you can use the words from the pledge if you want to. Yes. And like, again, I think maybe even giving them like a little fill in the blank form or something like that might be a nice way to articulate that where it's like, here, you can just take ours word for word if that feels good for you. And then otherwise, here, go fill in these blanks for yourself kind of thing. I love it. But it's it's perfection what you just said, because I think that's it. We don't want them to feel like they're locked into something here. We want this to be a guide. So like, here's our guide. Here's some examples of how to use it. Now go use it. Yeah. And if anything, it should be the opportunity for for people to say, oh, I already had those values in place and I just haven't been articulating it in that order or in exactly that way. And now I'm just going to go and tweak the things I already say in my own business and put it into this framework and there it's done. Yes. Okay, great. One other little thing I was thinking about was the way you say it is join a community of humble, brave, compassionate, and wise coaches and consultants. And then I think you said it a little differently somewhere else. And I think I, I think there's nuance here. So what I was going to say is I, I think the way you said it somewhere else, I'm not going to like read through and waste our time here, but, but you'll know what I mean, is you said something like if you are a okay. humble, yeah. brave, compassionate, wise professional, yeah. 
Because I think you don't want anything that seems like you're co-signing anyone that takes the pledge. Because we're not. Like, right? Like, you're not checking them out. You're not, like, the coach police taking reports (laughs) on, like, you know, whatever, right? Like, so I think you can say, like, hey, if you're this person, join us. But not even saying, like, this is who our community is. Because, like, we don't actually patrol that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I really yeah. don't want to. I don't want to. No, and you don't it. want. I don't want to. Anything that puts you in a position that suggests that, because then you're going to feel like, oh shoot, now I should, and like, yeah, hard no. That's a lot, right? Yeah, and all of it should be about self sovereignty as well. So, like, yeah. you're saying that you're this person. You're saying these words about your work, and I'm not the go between. So, if somebody says, well, on your website, you've signed up to the ethical co pledge. I started coaching with you and I found it to be dreadful and shocking and you know you don't live up to all the things you said on the pledge. I'm not involved in that. That's that's a relationship that the person has with the person <laughs> if that makes yes. sense. It's not designed for me to be the arbiter of. Oh my god, no. That was actually going to be one other thought I had is what if we made one more page on here that was FAQ? Yeah, great. And it was like, what responsibility does the ethical co-hold? What if I have worked with somebody who took this pledge and has not lived up to those markers? Like yes. that kind of thing. So we're just like setting a really clear like, oh, what you do is you go talk to them or what you do is you whatever. Or like how we handle it is, you know, we're just here to like give you the guidance kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I love it. I think this was such a great conversation around how can we be as crystal clear as possible in what we're doing? How can we have clear boundaries in what we're doing? So for example, Angie, adding that FAQ to be crystal clear is so important because what it does is it creates clean and clear boundaries for her, right? So she's setting forth like, hey, this is where we'll step in. This is where we won't. This is how we'll support it. This is how we won't. And so that never has to be a question that she deals with. Or if it is, she can just send them to the FAQ, right? Versus someone having a set of expectations because that wasn't stated and then that causing a lot of friction. And I think that with any new project like this, that's what can happen. Like whether that's a a course you're offering, a program you're offering, you know, something even free like Angie, right? If you can be so clear on stuff like this of expectations and boundaries from the beginning, you save yourself so much headache later on. You know, let's use a program, for example, like the more clear you can be on what you're delivering and what you're not, the less issue you're going to have later on. And yes, you might be like, oh, but I don't know yet. And I need to figure that out. And I kind of want to see what it's like once we get in there. And I understand that whole thought process. And that is the stuff that always bites you in the butt. So really, really, really want to encourage you clear boundaries in whatever you're doing around what new project you have, new offer you have, new endeavor you have, when you can go in so crystal clear and your audience and your customers can go in so crystal clear, you are saving yourself so many issues down the road and you are giving your customers a much better experience. Okay, wait, there's also one thing I was going to make a huge joke about. (laughs) Do you know what? I literally laughed so hard when I read this though. Do we not love that the first word you used was humble? <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> I mean, I got such a chuckle. <laughs> and you know, Lacey, I do not use that word lightly. 
we know. Unlike some people, I was just, I pulled back from that whole humble, humble brag. I think they're actually known us, <laughs> aren't they, in the trade? Yeah, remarkable. It really is the Wild West right now. Yeah, which which like is why I think you do want to have like a little more clarity here because I think you just don't want to get pulled into it too much, right? Like, so yeah, but I, I really like this. I love the points you made. I love the pledge overall. Like I was thinking about a lot of my clients when I went through it to be like, how does this apply to different people, different business models? And I think it really stands up against pretty much yeah. anything. There's a little bit of kind of nervousness yeah. about the admin <laughs> that I have. So I need to talk to my OBM about, okay, what's the simplest way of having eyes over the kinds of things that people are saying that, you know, and then having people access the badges. Now, when I signed up to the ethical move, they had the badges in, in a Dropbox account. So basically when you signed up and they were happy with what you'd sent, they gave you access to, this, to the Dropbox account. So I, I kind of need a similarly straightforward mechanism for administering that because you know I'm not getting any payment for it it's it's my resource that's being used in having it so yeah just need to think that through. I wonder I haven't thought this part through so I'm just going to talk it out but I wonder if there isn't even a approval it's almost like an automated thing like you sign this up it comes to us you get the badges you like we would only come to you later if we were yeah. like, hey, like the XYZ thing has come to our attention. Like we're going to ask you to remove the play. Like almost like because to, to vet all of this on the front end, like gosh, it's such a – who the heck knows? Like I mean think about even like the business you had poor customer service with. Like how hard would that be to vet from that yeah. the outset versus – so so I wonder if you just don't even take that on. It's almost like this is entirely on them. Like if they want to put this on their website, if they want to own that – that's on them. If we ever get like tons and tons of knowledge about something and you want to ask someone to remove it, that's maybe a better use of time. So actually the FAQs becomes a really important place for locating the, yes. the responsibilities of people in here. And I really wanted to, as much as this is for coaches and consultants, I wanted to prioritize the consumer because many of us as coaches and consultants are also consumers of coaching and consulting. Absolutely. So it's also how do we as the consumer coach or consultant find what we need in the FAQs and on that site as much as for those of us who just want to have the badge. So if I can yes. kind of answer some of the the questions like, okay, so if you're not betting them, then how do I know that it's even a thing? Yes. in the FAQs and talk directly to the consumer, then then hopefully we can clear some of that up. Or even like, where might I report someone if there was a promise in marketing that wasn't delivered on? But it's not you. It's like, you might refer them to like the FTC or whatever, you know what I mean? But it's like, you're not, you're like, here's the resource, but it's not me. <laughs> okay, great. That is super helpful. Really, really helpful. I'm so glad. I, I think this is so good. I think it's going to be amazing. Like, yeah, I just, I love the idea of you doing the FAQ because it's like more work on the front end, but it's like, then you don't have to reiterate this all the time on the back end. Or like, yeah, even even like vet people to come in. It's basically like, welcome in. You know, we give it to everyone that makes the pledge. Yeah, I love that idea. And then I get to see all of the cool things that people are posting. 
So the form will mean that we have a database of people who yes. ha have signed up to the pledge. And then the automation will be that they get the badges as soon as they fill yes. in the form. And then we know and we can look at people's sites and see how it's being used, which is quite a nice feeling in the world just yes. to know that people are saying cool things. And you could even do those as like cool features, like, yeah. oh, look at so-and-so's site and how she has adapted this. We love this, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking how that would be a really great social media feed then to like have Absolutely. the Instagram account be basically how people are using the pledge. And, and I don't, again, have to get involved in doing any of that because my assistant can really easily use that, that material. So that yeah, works. Totally. Cool. So good. Oh, I'm so excited for this. I love it. Thank you so much for your help with this. It's brilliant. Beautiful. All right. I'm going to put the very small task of giving your OBM the content system task. I can in. do that. Trust I'll me with it. I'll give you the FAQ page. <laughs> and then feel free to send that to me if you. we can go through FAQ like in detail or whatever there. Yeah. And I'm going to send lot. you the updates to the Luminary sales page as well. I'm going to work on them towards yeah. the rest of the end of this week. And I'll send you that as well. Amazing. Beautiful. All right, cool. I look forward to it. Have a good week. I'll yeah, talk to you, you soon. Too. Bye. Great day. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one -on -one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three-minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to alituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.